Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas on how to lead your church into the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Now, here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr. Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast. Today, we're welcoming Dia Jenkins to the show. Dia is an award-winning interdisciplinary artist originally from Houston, Texas. Dia's art practice spans multiple fields, including visual art, performance, and film. She has exhibited nationally and internationally and is currently developing multiple multimedia projects. As a recipient of three fellowships and multiple artist grants, Dia has fused her art practice with a deep love for research. She has a dual master's degree from Fuller Seminary with an emphasis in theology and the arts. In addition to her art practice, Dia is also an independent curator and a director of the Inbreak Collective. Her love for creating expands beyond her individual practice to including crafting spaces for others to explore their own creative journey. Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast. This is Lauren Richmond Jr. And today I'm welcoming Dia Jenkins to the show. So uh, welcome and thanks for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, great. Great to have this conversation with you. Um, share if you would kind of uh, anything else you'd like to share about yourself. Yes. Um, I like to talk about my work as an artist before I begin any kind of interview, just because that's usually the uh, heartbeat, if you will, of what I do. Mm-hmm. So I'm an interdisciplinary artist. I work on many different mediums, all the way from visual art to performance, and I have a background in film as well. Um, and working as an artist really led me into uh, the spiritual formation work that I do a lot with um spiritual leaders, congregations, like different churches and different denominations, uh, pastors, mm-hmm. run the gamut, really. Um, but I've found a way to combine this work as artist, as well as spiritual leader, director, formation, uh, liturgist, if you will, um, just mainly because of how I entered into the art world. Um, art and theology, art and spirituality have always been intertwined for me. I mean, art mm-hmm. has always been an expression of my spiritual practice, if you will. And so I feel as though... Um, any work with leaders has allowed me to um, release them from the creative work that I've been doing. So usually one of the questions I ask first off is about spiritual practices. So if I can ask this a little bit out of order here, do you mind sharing just what it is about art that's a, that how it becomes a spiritual practice for you? Uh, if you don't mind sharing. Not for sure. I think of the entire artistic process as being a spiritual practice, but um, one of the ways that I really have loved and appreciated art showing up in my life is as a contemplative practice. So Mm -hmm. art really makes space for me to consider and to think through and to process through some really uh, deep issues or concerns that I might have at the moment, or even some hopes and dreams that I might have at the moment. Art is a tangible and physical way for me to kind of get my thoughts out, if you will. Art, mm-hmm. art has also acted as a prayer um, form for me for many different years, um, in many different years. And I would say that it's really the act of making that allows me to feel 
probably most connected to God in a very tangible way in my daily life. So this is outside of just traditional like worship services, things like that, but just mm-hmm. everyday sort of going through life, art is really my touch point, if you will. So I have traditional prayer that I do, of course, but I would say the deeper work is really happening when I'm able to start creating something or making something or ideating on something. That's when I'm really feeling close and connected to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's interesting. What do you think it is? What do you think it is? I'm just so intrigued by this idea. Maybe because I'm like, I'm not an artist myself. Um, Like, is there, I mean, I wonder if part of it is just like, is it just like the fact that you're slowing down and not, you know, there's no pressure to perform or do or to be, and you can just kind of see where the spirit leads. I mean, is that fair? That is definitely part of it. I would say also, though, the main thing is listening. Mm, Yeah, yeah. And art is a way of practicing my capacity to listen on a deeper level. Yeah, that's good. I I always, always mention Julia Cameron. Um, She wrote The Mm -hmm. Artist's Way, and she's really the person I credit with helping me to kind of develop this uh, muscle of listening, if you will. And so... She talks about art as being something that is more about jotting down what you're hearing and less about trying to force an idea to come into being. And so it's really about being still long enough to hear from God, to hear from the creative muse, to hear from my own ideas and thoughts, and to kind of listen for what wants to be created. And then mm-hmm. my job as artist is to help that come into being, as opposed to me having this idea and trying to force it to come into reality and trying to force it to happen. It's more so just an act of listening. What actually wants to be created? What wants to be made? And how can I help to facilitate that? So it's really an act of listening. Well, there's there's a metaphor there. There's for a metaphor sure. <laughs> there for sure. That's good. Um Share, if you would, kind of about your faith journey, what that's looked like in the past and what that looks like today. Oh, such a big question. (laughs) Faith journey. I was born and raised in the church, Southern Baptist Church. Um, So I've been in church my entire life, don't really know much apart from it. I really do Mm -hmm. admire people who have had really strong and impactful conversion stories. You know, people who say, oh, I didn't know Jesus for like the first 25, 30 years of my life. And then I got to know Jesus and it changed everything for me. I don't quite have that exact story. And so I'm always very curious about what that experience is like, but I've always had a sense and awareness of God. But I would say it wasn't until maybe college or so when I really started to develop a really personal relationship with God. I mean, that all started because... I was in a really strange period of life, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And things were kind of falling apart in terms of what I thought I was going to do. Um, and then I just remember a conversation that I had with a cousin of mine. Um, I was just telling her I had dropped out of school because <laughs> uh, I was flunking out. It was just really terrible. And I was just kind of telling her what was happening. And she turned to me and said words that I will never, ever forget. She goes, D, what is your purpose? And mm. as soon as she said that, it was like somebody had pulled back a curtain for me. And mm-hmm. it was just like night and day from that moment forward because I had never thought of my life as having any kind of purpose or intention. I was just kind of floating through reality, if you will. Mm-hmm. And once she said that, it's kind of picked my curiosity. And I was like, well, yeah, if I have some kind of purpose, I really want to know what it is. And I just thought that, you know, if I'm going to go anywhere or ask anyone about purpose, of course, it would be God, you know, because 
God is my creator. And so it's like, well, right. if you make me for a reason, tell me what it is, because I have no idea. And so I, I prayed about that. And it was like, as soon as I said that prayer, all of these different uh, happenings started to occur. So I don't come from artistic background at all. I don't have, you know, some childhood dream of being an artist, nothing like that. But after I said that prayer, it was like God started to introduce to me all of these different creative gifts that I didn't know I had. And mm. all of a sudden I discovered, oh, I can draw and I have a knack for color and I have an eye for aesthetics. It, it was really like uh, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz going from black to white to color. That's really what I felt like during that hmm. period of time. Yeah, And yeah. it just changed everything for me. So art and spirituality have always been intertwined for me. And my relationship with God has always been the center, if you will, of any way that I'm expressing myself outwardly. Or at least I, I'm hoping that's the case. Um, I would say that now my faith journey, I'm in an interesting phase, actually. I feel like the past decade of my life was a lot more about learning to trust God and developing my capacity for faith and even strengthening my capacity to understand myself and who I am, like who I am. Um, yeah. Whereas now I feel like I've reached the level where God is a little bit more interested in collaboration with me as opposed to being like the uh, overhanded teacher, if you will, saying like, yeah. I need you to do this yeah. this exact way because I want you to learn the specific thing. And it's more so like we've gone through so much together at this point. I'm curious about what you're interested in and let's see what we can create together. And I feel a lot more um, freedom, if you will, in terms of, how I go about my daily life. Whereas before it was more like, okay, God, what do I do now? What do I do now? What do I do now? Right. And it's just more so maturity, you know? And I will say that's a little scary. It's a lot nicer yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you feel like you're getting direct orders, so to speak, quote unquote. Um, whereas now I'm definitely in a place where I am making more of the decisions and I'm taking more ownership over the decisions that I'm making. And also just kind of wrapping my mind around the idea that God trusts me to this degree to be able to have this degree of autonomy, if you will. So it's a little bit different, but um, I'm learning how to navigate it. <laughs> it I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, responding internally to your phrase about God trusting us. Isn't that, I think, perhaps I've heard it phrased this way, like for some of us, and I speak personally here too, who grew up in contexts that were I hate to use this word too derogatively, but I think the word has been used like high control um, context. And I'll, and I'll, hopefully it doesn't come across too derogatorily towards, you know, like Baptists or Southern Baptists. But for some of us who've grown up in really, you know, at least, at least theological frameworks where God was real strict and controlling or, and maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but I, it, it's really a, a twist of thinking to right to think that, God trusts us to to do God's work. Am I hearing you right? I like the word that you're using, actually. And another word comes to mind, and that word is patriarchy. Um, mm, and mm -hmm. with all of its different spiritual, social implications. Um, yeah. I think that I definitely, and I'm, I have definitely been in a phase of life where I am undoing a lot of the conditioning that I had, you know? And the thing mm -hmm. is, is that I'm very grateful for my upbringing. You know, I right. did come from a fairly traditional uh, Christian upbringing. I am grateful for my roots, but at the same time, 
I'm also grateful that I'm now having a greater degree of awareness to be able to recognize um, the limitations of certain uh, forms of that model, if you will. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to that, right? There's the fact that I am a woman. You know, what does it mean for me to be able to lead in the church as a woman? There are certain pockets mm-hmm. of the body of Christ that still struggle with that aspect, right. you know? And um, there's also just the reality of the work that I do. A lot of it is outside of traditional boundaries, if you will. So I'm not necessarily only interested in like the Sunday morning style of worship. I really feel a call to um, encourage the church, like church at large, but then also spiritually just within the church to really broaden our understanding and our our idea of worship. Like, why is it that we, and then we just went through a major pandemic, what, three right. years ago, two years ago? And it's like so many churches have kind of fallen back into a rhythm of doing worship as they were always doing it. And I'm like, well, did we miss an opportunity to really wake up and try something new? Like, I feel a huge yeah. call to at least attempt to help us collectively, like this is me included. I'm not saying that I have all the answers. I'm saying I'm part of this, right? And so it should at least help us to expand our sense of what's possible when we're talking about gathering as Christians, when we're talking about following Jesus. Why have we relegated it to such strict and and smaller uh, forms of uh, walking with God? You know, I just feel like there's so much more there that's possible. And I definitely credit my artistic background and helping me to think creatively along those lines, right? Like that's where the two come together for me, you know? So I take the muscle and the practice of being an artist and thinking creatively and thinking innovatively and and trying to wrap my mind around what else can we do here? Those skills definitely come into play when when I'm talking to spiritual leaders and, and church leaders and just trying to broaden our sense of what's possible, you know, but patriarchy is really, uh, it still has a great hold in the church, you know. Mm-hmm. I think socially we're beginning to really unravel a lot of those threads, but I find that a lo- uh, some of the deeper threads are actually in the church itself. Um, and again, I, I think that there, there's a lot to say about former models that have been really beneficial. You know, I'm not the kind of person who yeah. uh, totally wants to tear down everything. I think we need to honor where we came from. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I also think that we really have to lean into how the spirit is moving today. And I just feel like, you know, God being the creator that God is, there's just so much possible for the church, you know, so much possible for how we gather. Yeah, just, there's a lot there for me. (laughs) Yeah, I really appreciate you engaging that. Um, I usually don't go quite into depth here, but I think because like, I'm not really an artist, at least, you know, a traditional artist, right? That I always enjoy kind of engaging uh, and hearing y'all's perspectives especially those from you from the more artistic side. So you mentioned that a lot of the work you do is with spiritual leaders and church leaders. So let's let's talk more about that and some of the ways that you support them. So maybe maybe to begin with, like, how did you get, like, what drew you to that kind of work, like working with spiritual leaders and, and pastors and those, that sort of ilk? I think the framing of that question is interesting. This idea of like what drew me to the work that I'm doing now. And I would say, I don't know that I felt drawn so much as I stumbled upon. Hmm, <laughs> sure. And <laughs> that's, I mean, it's such a good question because I'm having to think through what this journey has been like. Mm-hmm. 
um, I would say part of it comes just from my personality. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an artist. Both of those aspects of work um, require a certain degree of leadership, if you will. Um, So I kind of naturally, and it's not about, I'm, I'm not the kind of leader that's only trying to take charge of a situation. That's not the kind of leadership I'm talking about. It's more so um, leadership in in the sense of visionary uh, uh, work, you know, like thinking through where else we might go and how to invite other people on the journey of seeking the new, that kind of leadership. And then also, um, even though I'm an artist, I'm not only doing work that's like individual. I do a lot of work in terms of uh, team building, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm working on a production or I'm working on an exhibition, whatever it might be that requires multiple people to come into the mix. And so I kind of naturally had to develop the skills of leadership in that capacity. And I would say that is probably what opened up certain doors for me because it wasn't necessarily that I was seeking these opportunities, but people would reach out and say, Hey, you know, we like the work that you're doing. Uh, Would Hmm, you be interested in coming and talking to our group? And would you be interested in like working with this cohort of people for, you know, for the next year for this fellowship program, that kind of thing. And I think uh, people just kind of recognize the work that you're doing on your own and say, maybe this could apply in our context as well. And so that's really how I've, found myself working with spiritual leaders. It wasn't that I was seeking it. It's just more so that I think people um, kind of recognize what I was doing within my own creative agency and with other projects and thought that it might apply to what they're doing. Okay. Maybe let me ask, let me ask a follow-up question then. Like, what is it that you've seen in spiritual leaders and, and church leaders that has resonated with you and kind of wanted to keep you like working in that, in those contexts? I have a deep love and appreciation for the church. And Mm. I know that sounds super high-minded and churchy and religious, (laughs) you know, and I'm not talking about only like the local church that you see on your corner or like Sunday morning gatherings. I'm talking Big C Church. Mm. Um, I really just have a desire to see the church thrive. I think that's really God's heart. I mean, that's the whole plan, right, of Christianity, uh, for right. God to be able to connect with the world through the church, through the body of Christ. And, you know, with my relationship with God, I really want to be part of that work. You know, I want to help God do what God wants to do to the best of my capacity. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the church, Big C Church. And I just want to see the church thrive. And so anytime that I get a chance to work with leaders, because leaders are at the helm of cultivating spaces, you know, to allow God's work to happen, then I want to be part of it as much as possible. I, I will say there's there's a lot that I am um, growing into and becoming more aware of as I continue this work. You know, it's not all roses. <laughs> there's a lot that happens, you know, and it's you're just like, say I don't it. know so much about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot to it. And, and part of my challenge, if you will, in this particular phase of life is asking, okay, how deep do I go on with certain organizations Mm. or certain church bodies? Because, you know, some things are salvageable, other things need to be tossed out, (laughs) you know? And how do you navigate that fine line of, of doing that wrestling with communities, you know, like helping them to see, oh, this is really working well. Let's continue to build this out. Or actually this is hurting people. This is not working so well. We really need to release it, you know, and that can be very difficult. 
is I'm having to kind of understand my own boundaries, you know, for my own mental health, if you will, emotional health, and understand my own capacity as well. I'm saying yeah. I can go this deep with this community, whereas, oh, I might need to pull back a little bit. That's also part of the job. But the reason why I do it is because I want to be part of what God is doing. And I think a lot of that has to do with the church. Well, let's dig into that a little bit more, if I may. So you mentioned a few things that I want to touch on. Like, I noticed you said big C church, not like you're not committed to individual corners, you know, the church in the corner, for instance. Um, that sounds weird, but I th- I think... I think folks will understand what you're you're saying. Um, like you're you're not committed to individual institutions; you're committed to the body of Christ, right? That's fair, right? Well, I am working with individual institutions. It's right, just like that not, I find that my work calls me to many different institutions, so not just one local body. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it well. You're saying it better. No, you're good. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> um, but I'm thinking about you know you mentioned. You mentioned one of the, the, the quote-unquote isms or, you know, patriarchy. Um, you know, you mentioned one of the ways that institutions can harm people. You know, certainly for the last, you know, several years and certainly further back in American Christianity, there's plenty of examples of, uh, you know, uh, wrongdoing and sin in these institutions, these these local churches and, and national bodies, you know, whether it be patriarchy or racism, uh, prejudice uh, of all different kinds. You know, you mentioned working that out for yourself, and I'm curious, like, what are some of the ways you coach uh, leaders who work in in those contexts and those institutions to know, like, when you said, like, hey, we can keep going, we can keep kind of plowing ahead, or hey, it's, it's time to pull the ripcord and, and look for other opportunities? I am asking that question for myself now. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've landed on the perfect responses. Yeah. But for me, what I find it really stems back to is the heart of relationship. And mm-hmm. of course, that's another kind of churchy word, if you will, but you could even take that beyond the confines of the church, if you will. Right. Um, and what I mean by that is at the end of the day, what keeps me in the mix, even when it's messy and slow and difficult uh, and sometimes seems unnecessary, you know, what keeps me in the mix is remembering the people behind the institutions mm. and recognizing that I have formed relationships with a lot of these people. Like I have spent time with these people. I know their families, you know, I have gone and just hung out at their house and we've had dinner, things that are more on the humanitarian level, right? Like mm-hmm. person to person, who are you? And from there, that is what has allowed me to be very vocal when I see an institutional wrong or I see an institutional breakdown. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm always trying to come from the perspective of, I'm in this too. I am part of this community. I'm part of this question that we're collectively asking. It's not me coming in saying, this is all trash and I'm this outside force It's me saying I'm part of this, and therefore, because I'm part of it, I want to be proud of what I'm part of. Mm, How can we mm -hmm. collectively make this better? You know, I want to be able to speak boldly and proudly about every single community that I am a participant in. And if I feel as though something that we are collectively doing, even if it's not me personally doing it, if we're collectively doing it, 
um, I want to speak out about it because I want us, like the collective us, the collective we to be better. It always comes from a space of how can we do this better? I'm not trying to um, tear others down, you know, it's us. How can we do this better? Yeah, I love that. I appreciate that. Um, So let me ask this then, and you can you can answer this question whether you know it be for specific church leaders or or spiritual leaders in general. But I'm curious, like certainly whether it be you know again in the context of like a someone who's like oh I'm thinking about starting a church or someone who's thinking about entering you know a more I don't know public or uh, starting a nonprofit or you know more public profile of of witness and, and ministry again whether it be in a church context or not. Like how do you coach? or help someone discern who's really wrestling with like, it's God calling me to do this. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No, it does. It's a great question. So a lot of the work that I'm doing right now, actually, um, I always think it comes back to helping people that question, that, that phrase again of listening, helping people to declutter, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Cause I feel as though God is always speaking to us, yeah. right? It's really, can we recognize God's voice? Have we gotten yeah. to the place in our spiritual walks where we know and trust, you know, what, what we're hearing from God? And then also being able to listen to yourself. Like, do you know yourself? Do you know mm-hmm. who you are? Do you know what you're capable of? Do you trust and believe what God has placed inside of you? Um, do you believe that you can actually achieve the dream that's on your heart? That's another thing. And then the final part of the triangle, if you will, is other people. You know, is this something that people are inviting you into? Is this something that people are affirming you in? And that's not to say that you're always going to have public affirmation. That's not exactly what I mean. But I do think that God gives us confirmation. I do think that God will allow uh, relationships to undergird what God is saying doesn't mean that God may not call you to something that you kind of have to do on your own or solo every once in a while. But I do think that God will bring points of confirmation. And a lot of times that that confirmation will come from your community or will come from someone else. You know, it could be a mentor, it could be a teacher, it could be a pastor, could be an author that you're reading, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's, there's always some other component of uh, other people in the mix somehow, you know, and again, I, I want to stress this point. This is not about seeking external validation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just right. saying that I have found in my own journey, in my own walk, that God has provided confirmation. And a lot of times that confirmation will come through other people. It may come in the form of like an opportunity, you know. I'm not necessarily looking for somebody to say, absolutely, you should go for that idea. Right. It may right. just be like, oh, hey, we had this resource and we were wondering if you wanted to use it somehow. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I was looking for, you know. Hmm. The confirmation like that could come. So it has to do with listening to God, understanding yourself, and listening for how God is bringing confirmation through the broader community. I so say. this is really good. This is really good stuff here. And I want to ask... A, if I heard this right, and B, like, now is your time to coach me <laughs> if I can here as we're recording. Like, so, so I wrote this down here. Do you believe you can accomplish the goal that God has placed in your heart? Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. So, so speak to me for a minute if I can, like, because that hits me. Um, because sometimes I'm like, I don't know. So, what would you say to me or someone in my shoes? Yeah, what do I say to myself too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
What I, you know, what I keep coming back to, because this is an ongoing journey, even for me, what I keep going back to you is the idea that God was very intentional Hmm. and making each of us, right? Hmm. Very, Mm -hmm. very intentional. And I love this. You know, it always goes back to the heartbeat heartbeat of an artist for me. Like when you're making something, you are so careful about it. You're thinking about it. You are considering the color, the size, the shape, the texture, everything, right? Even if your practice is much more free form and you're just kind of going with how the material is leading you, there's mm-hmm. still a level of presence there, still a level of intentionality that's there. Uh, you're careful about what you're doing because you you treasure the happening, you treasure the making of it, right? And I just think how much more so has God considered each person, right? And so that's yeah. one thing that I continually come back to, this idea that God really took God's time when designing this person, designing, you know, the human form, designing like the personality. Like I'm fascinated by the fact that we <laughs> have so many people on the planet and every single person has a very distinct personality. Right. Like what in the world, right? And so that's one thing that kind of grounds me when I'm feeling like, oh, I don't quite know if I'm getting this right. Just the sense of actually you were designed with this particular skill set. You have this particular um, level of giftings. Like you have a sort of natural innate ability to do this thing, right? I also think about um, how dreams are so specific to each person. Like mm-hmm. we might have like overlapping shades that are similar to some people's, right? Right. But the nuances of our dreams are very particular to us. And I, I believe that when we have... Uh, when we're following divinely given dreams, there's just something mm. so special and unique about that call. And mm-hmm. I am truly of the mindset that there are certain things that only you can do, Lauren, right? Like there are really only certain things that can happen because you decide to do them. It doesn't mean that somebody else can't do something similar, but the right. way in which you do it and how you go about it and the thought that you put into it is going to be very uniquely you. And I mm. think that that also keeps me... Um, in the mix because sometimes I'll have these ideas or I'll have these dreams that I want to do and the hesitation is like, oh, I don't know. Is that right for me? You know, it's like having the audacity really to to chase the dream that's on your heart. Like being able to, it's beyond, it's like not even just courage. It's having the the audacity to say, actually, because this is on my heart and I feel called to it and it keeps coming up for me and it's something that I've always wanted to do, I'm going to trust that, right? I'm going to trust that Hmm. that's in my heart for a reason Hmm. and I'm going to follow it and see where it leads me. I would also say that something that I'm learning is, and you've heard quotes like this, but basically release the uh, sort of end result that you have in mind. Trust Release. Release the end result that you have in mind, you know, like this again, art really helps with helps with this. Like you never fully know exactly what you're going to make or create when you're making it. It's only in the act of doing it that it becomes what it's going to be, that it reveals itself, so to speak. There's a beautiful quote about this when they were talking about, um, I forget the artist, um, but basically the statue of Michelangelo um, and how you don't know what the thing is going to be. But your job is really to trust the process, to trust Mm -hmm. the call, and to do the work. And then from there, release the the, uh, expectation or the specific idea or the specific format that you have and trust that it will be what it needs to be by the time you finish doing your work. Those are the first... 
thoughts that come to mind. Yeah, I love that because, again, it gets back to, you know, something certainly we hear in different contexts of like, you know, we, we're not, we can't control outcomes. Um, we can't control the final results. We can only control efforts. Um, and you can speak better than I can about the process or the efforts of undertaking an artistic endeavor. But I, yeah, I really appreciate that, that, that idea of letting go of results um, so I don't, I don't know if that listeners are getting anything from this, but I am. So I appreciate appreciate your insights here. Um, so uh, let me ask from another perspective here. Um, so whether, you know, it could be someone who's, we talked about kind of someone coming from a space of discernment, like trying to figure out like what's, if this is a path they, su- they should pursue. What are some, uh, um, what are some perspectives and uh, form, you know, support you might give to someone who's in, in really in the heart of a, of a ministry endeavor or a spiritual endeavor, and you know maybe it's it's really tough or you know they're 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 dealing with some discouragement. Um, you know, certainly again, if we go back to the the COVID context, you know, there's a lot of pastors and, and church leaders who really had a hard time leading churches through the difficulty of, of COVID and, and all the challenges that came with that. So what are some ways you might support a, a leader in that context? That's also a big question because so many are still kind of grappling with the past, not even just the past three or four years, but honestly, like the past decade or so, we've just gone through a lot mm-hmm. um, socially, but also, you know, on, on a religious front um the church has been through a lot <laughs> yeah. in the past like decade or so or it, i'm obviously like even longer but just speaking particularly to this context right there are a couple of things that come to mind here and i'll, I'll mention a couple so probably the number one thing that has really resounded for me in this season is just remembering to care for yourself. Mm, And you hear this talk a lot, you know, everybody's talking about mental health and self-care, but I think that's for a reason. Mm -hmm. I think that as a culture, we have really kind of run into this whole epidemic of burnout and stress. And I think that's for a reason. I think that we're moving at a pace in which just socially like as a the human body, I don't really know if the human body has ever really moved at this pace right. that we're going. Right. Like our rhythms are very unsustainable. If we really look at it on a macro level, um, that goes all the way from ecology and our relationship to the earth, mm-hmm. all the way to the rapid pace at which technology is moving. And I'm a right. person who loves technology, really appreciates yeah. it, but are we really able to keep up with the degree of change that's happening? Have we had time to process? And so, and you hear this all the time, like pastors dealing with burnout, probably even more so than the rest of the population. Yeah. Not even more so, but definitely like in the top percentage, right? Right. Of the caretakers. And that's because 
just a pastor's heart is just naturally wanting to care for people, right? Like that's the thing that you do. You want to see people well. You want to usher the community into wholeness and health. Like that's your heart. That's what makes you a pastor. But at the same time, you've heard this said before as well. If you're not caring for yourself, how can you have anything to give? And that is very, very true. I think that we have to move beyond making that lip service to actually making that a reality. Truly and 100%, if you do not care for yourself, you have nothing else to give. It's the idea of asking God to fill your pot before you pour out, you know, right. and to trust that God will continue to refill you, but you have to stop, you have to pause, you have to take the time for the filling to happen. <laughs> like you mm-hmm. can't just go, 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 and assume that running on fumes is going to provide any kind of service to anybody, you know? Yeah. So that's the very first thing that I think is really essential. And the unfortunate reality is that a lot of our, our church rhythms don't really do a great job of making room for pastors and church leaders to take that space. A lot of what's happening within a church depends on the pastor or a smaller staff, you know, and people are only built to carry so much within a certain time frame. And so I think that we really need to I am a big fan of like just taking a whole look at our entire um liturgical structure on one hand, but also the sort of systematic business side of how we do church as well. I don't think it's Mm -hmm. healthy. And we really need to figure out how to build and rest. And I mean, more than just taking one day a week. And a lot of times pastors aren't even really able to take that. You know, a lot of them have families. Like, you know, like there's, when do you get time for you? And you need to have that. It's not selfish for you to have that. You need to have it. There's no way for you to be your best self or give your best if you are not able to replenish yourself. So that's the number one thing. Um, After that, I also think that, again, this idea of pausing to me is very important. And I mean this not on the individual level of each pastor or or community or spiritual leader. I mean this on a community level. I think that we've jumped back into a lot of the liturgical rhythms that we're familiar with because we don't quite know what else to do. Mm-hmm. This is familiar. This is how we do it. Yeah. And we know we need to change, but we don't quite know how. But again, going back to this creative process, sometimes the only way to know what the next idea is, is to stop what you're doing. <laughs> I don't mean stop all activity, but I mean stop the sort of perpetuating of the yeah. rhythms that are in existence, you know? Because yeah. it the rhythms that are in place don't really leave you enough time right. to really process or to think or to ideate. You need a Mm -hmm. moment where you are not doing anything to get a new idea. And the reason why I'm saying that is because once you take a pause or you take a break from your normal natural rhythms, uh, you might go and explore something else. You might go to a worship service that's outside of your tradition or outside of your, even your religion. Honestly, I think there's a lot you can learn. We're always firmly rooted in Jesus, which doesn't mean that we can't learn from other people. Yeah. Uh, you might go and have a retreat. You might go have a, some other kind of experience that takes you outside of your norm. And I think that the pandemic was meant to do that for a lot of us. And my concern is that we are missing the gift of the pandemic. As mm. terrible as it was, right. as awful as it was, right. the chance to pause was important. And I don't want us to collectively forget that. We need to remember what it was like to not be able to get up and go to church on a Sunday morning because suddenly you were having to use creative muscles that you weren't normally using. 
And that can be very, very useful. And I think that before we kind of forget, we have as a country, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a tendency to forget quite a bit. And I already yeah, we kind do. of feel that happening. So before we forget all that we experienced during the pandemic, not that we can ever truly forget it, but you know what I mean. Right, before right. we collectively kind of develop this sort of collective amnesia about what right. happened, we really need to remember the gift of the moment, as difficult as it was. That creative muscle that you had to use, I still think we need it. Yeah, I'm also thinking like how many pastors, and I'm putting myself in this context, felt the need to produce even more, you know, rather than like, oh, let me just like take a deep breath and and see what. Um. So this is good stuff here. Um. Do you want to like let's let's do this before we take a break here? Do you just want to talk about? One of the ways that you'd really do this work in depth is with uh, working with uh, church leaders through cyclical. Do you want to just talk a little bit about your work there and, and some of the ways you're supporting clergy there? Yes, absolutely. I love, 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 love cyclical. I've been part of cyclical for several years now in different capacities. Um so I started off as, <laughs> how did I start? I started off with an apprenticeship with the 1001 New Worshiping Communities. Mm-hmm. And so Right now, I lead a new worshiping community called Enbreak. Very beautiful organization. I'm so proud of the work that we're doing and just really grateful for that community. Um, but that a lot of that work stemmed from what I was doing and learning within the cyclical space. Um, Nick Warnes, the founder of Cyclical LA, um, became my coach. He was my coach for several years. And so I just really developed a great relationship with him and just really admire the way that he shows up. Um and not just, honestly, not just in cyclical space, just how he is in the world, honestly. But yeah. I really admire how he works with different leaders. He does a great job of blending encouragement with um, sort of practical support and also emotional support. Like Nick is in the corner of all the cyclical leaders. And I, mm. I just want everybody to know that. <laughs> Anybody who's listening to this, who's part of the cyclical community, know that Nick Warnes has your back and cares about what you're doing. And I have just watched him be very consistent with that over the past several years. And so um, Nick reached out sometime last year and just, we have been looking for a way to collaborate. Um, I, like I said, I own a creative agency and I work primarily with spiritual leaders. And Nick is very familiar with my work, you know, being a coach. And so we've been looking for a way to collaborate uh, for some time now and just hadn't quite found the right opportunity. And then uh, Nick reached out about um, wanting a spiritual director, uh, it's called director of formation. That's the more proper title, but um, looking for somebody to come in and fill that role because uh, the last person who was there was transitioning out. And so he was like, hey, do you want to, would you be interested in doing something like this? And mm-hmm. uh, I felt like, one, you know, I'm always happy to support um, what's happening with Encyclical. It's been a great community for me. And so any way that I can give back to it, I'm very happy to do it, um, so, you know, as much as I can. And then two, this is work that I have started to do with other communities in terms of spiritual direction and formation. Um, had done recently done some work with the Brim Center out of Fuller Seminary, um, was part of their Resilient Artist Project and, and helping mm-hmm. to facilitate and lead a cohort of artists and creatives and spiritual leaders um, for like nine to 12 months. And I had just gotten, uh, had just wrapped that project. And so the timing was perfect. And I was just stoked. I was excited to get to do it. And I know a lot of the cyclical leaders already, you know, I'm already <laughs> as yeah. much as I can supporting them. So it was kind of a natural, just basically putting a title on it and giving a few resources for what I kind of naturally want to do anyway. Um, I love 
I love getting to see the progress and the work that's happening within the cyclical community because so many, so many of the leaders are my friends, you know, and as much as I can, I, I want to be in their corner as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. I wish we had more time because uh, I've, I've personally really appreciated, you know, your insights and, and appreciate you willing to share, you know, with me and with our audience here. Um, but for the sake of time, let's take a break and come back with some closing questions. All right, we're back with Dia Jenkins, and uh, thank you so much for your time. Like I said, really appreciate the conversation and your insights. So these closing questions, I always tell folks you can take these uh, seriously or not as you'd like to, um, but if you're poked for a day, what might that day look like? You know, what would you want to do? Something in that vein. Poke for a day... The first thing that came to mind, honestly, was wanting to do something on a very local level. And I think so many people look up to the Pope. And I just love this idea of spending time in very small communities Mm. that probably would normally never have access to (laughs) Mm -hmm. someone that they look up to to that degree. Um, And just maybe spending a weekend, you know, in some rural town (laughs) with the community there and getting to know their rhythms of life, encouraging them in whatever ways possible, connecting them to resources that are needed, you know, just something on the, a very local level. I think that's a really important one. And then also having conversations with political leaders and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what the conversation between church and our social kind of collective life might look like. Yeah, There's so much happening where the church is, a lot of church leaders feel like the church is losing its sort of foothold, so to speak, and social day-to-day realities. And, you know, God is always working. I don't fully believe into that, but there's a a reality that the church has shifted in terms of how people understand it. And I just think a lot of the conversations that needs to happen could happen on a leadership level, political level. And I think the Pope could be, you know, an interesting voice in the mix. Not that the Pope isn't speaking already, but right, right. just being intentional about that. Yeah, great. Um, I've never heard that answer about, you know, just hanging out with some small community. I like that. I think it's important yeah. to stay connected to, you know, what's, what people are actually living through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a theologian or historical Christian figure you'd want to meet or bring back to life? No, it's too much. <laughs> there are way too many people. Uh, way too many people. But one person, Amy Simple McPherson. Yeah, she was really interesting. Like she just had like such a dynamic creative ministry. I mean, like the her story's kind of you know, a little odd in places, but just right. the fact that she was able to galvanize different communities on these tours that she was doing through like creative uh, services, basically, which is really yeah. like the heartbeat of what I want to do. I find that so inspiring. Um, of course, we just had um, MLK Day. So mm-hmm. Dr. Martin Luther King, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'd yeah. love to have a conversation with him. And then more modern contemporary voices. Um, Dr. Willie Jennings, I really have been greatly impacted by his work and just would love to have a conversation with him uh, just to kind of glean from his wisdom and his way of viewing the world. Um, and then someone not as traditional, uh, Theoster Gates. He's an artist. Um, I don't think he would ever consider himself necessarily like a traditional. Mm-hmm. He's not a clergy person at all, but he 
he has uh, spiritual undertones in his work. And also sometimes he's explicit about referencing the church. Uh, that's part of his upbringing. And I just think that he has a very, very unique way of inviting conversations around the divine and theology in his artistic practice and his communal uh, community building practice as well. And his business sense. <laughs> I just think he's quite fascinating. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, what do you think history will remember from our current time and place? Mm. George Floyd. Mm. And all of what his life has meant. Of course, more poignantly, his death. Yeah. But I want to celebrate his life. Yeah. I want to celebrate the person because I think that like Emmett Till, mm -hmm. we're going to remember the name George Floyd. And I think that it's a shift in history. I think we're going to remember him. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Um, hopes for the future of Christianity. That we will get to the point where we are leaning into following the Holy Spirit and are less concerned with semantics and the sort of trappings of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that I think we're getting too caught up in this idea of Christianity at the sake of potentially losing the heartbeat of what God is doing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. my hope is that we will be able to follow the Holy Spirit as she leads us into something new. That's what's yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really appreciate this conversation. Thank you for your time and your thoughts here. Um, where can people connect with you if they want to find out more about you and your work? That sort of thing. Yeah, my website is a good place to start. Um, my creative agency website. So that's Dia, D-E-A, Studios with an S at the end. So D-E-A-S-T-U-D-I-O-U-S. -E oh my gosh, I'm over here misspelling my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> D-E-A-S-T-U-D-I-O-S dot com. And okay. then on social media, mainly on Instagram, on dia.artist and then dia.studios. Okay, well, we'll make sure uh, to put some, put these links, dia.artist, you said, right? In the show notes. Yes. So people, uh, if need be, uh, go to the show notes. You should be going to the show notes with every episode, <laughs> but yeah. we'll have Dia's... Uh, <laughs> The Dia stuff in the show notes. So, uh, Dia, I always leave folks with a word of peace. So, may God's peace be with you. Mm, also with you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit future-christian.com. One more thing before you go. Do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're feeling especially generous, leave a review. It really helps us get the word out to more people about the podcast. The Future Christian Podcast is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and Resonate Media. Our episodes were mixed by Danny Burton, and the production support is provided by Paul Romaglevitt. Thanks, and go in peace. Peace.